Bart told me about that story, and I said, "That's that's got to be shared," um, because that's what that's what it's all about. That's what we're about. We're about stories like that. We're about hopefully continuous stories of of sharing the gospel of people being reconciled to God. And, and Bart shared uh, briefly there those five those five little words, and that's really where I wanted to start this morning. That just just as a review of what we are about, that we say God is reconciling what? This is your part. <laughs> all men, all women, all people to Himself. Therefore, we will be we will intentionally be growing in intimacy with Christ, living out the fruit of the Spirit in all relationships. Serving. serving through the gifts of the Spirit, Tell. telling our grace stories, stewarding. stewarding our lives while taking responsibility for our circles of influence. That's what we were about. That's what Bart was able to live out these last several weeks with this, with this one student. Um, just living life in front of them, speaking into them, listening to them. And, I, and our circles, we say, are going to reach three areas. What are our three circles? We want Delaware County, Ball State University, and my arms aren't big enough, the ends of the earth. Missions is, is key to what we're doing, to reaching those overseas. And so... The world is in spiritual ruin. We have to understand that. We have to see that. That is, as good as life may be, as good as we may have it, that, that the world, our world, Delaware County, Ball State University, the world that we uh, live in, the people that we come in contact w- with, are in spiritual ruin. Rubble is what many lives are everywhere we go. And so we have been, we've been spending time with Nehemiah these last several weeks, who is simply a cupbearer to the king. And maybe not so simply, uh, because as we learned, that's an important job. That, that he was protector of the king, in a sense, that he was, the, he was the controller of the cup, because poison was one key way to get rid of a rival king, was just to poison their drink. And so the cupbearer had the incredible uh, responsibility of making sure that 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 cup, that wine, whatever the drink was, was pure. He was a cupbearer. But but he was given the task by God of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, of rebuilding the rubble. And all along the way, during our conversations with Nehemiah, he, we are picking up some, some very important principles. Principles that we need to apply to our life, that we need to understand. Principles that are going to enable us to fulfill the call that God has placed on us to reconcile all people to Himself. We've been discovering the, the how we are going to be growing, living, serving, telling, and stewarding. Principle number one, do you remember what it was? About four weeks ago, you've slept since then. If your heart isn't broken for the lostness of the city, then it will never be fully engaged in the renewal effort. And what was our call to that? If that's the principle, we were called to what? Renew. 
fast. Weekly. To pick one time when we just fast, when we set aside, when we rely totally upon God, we set aside food, we set aside maybe some activity or something else, that we set that aside and focus upon God and allow God to break our hearts for the lostness, for the rubble that is around us, that we can so easily just walk over, step over, walk around and not even notice. But we're, we're asking God to help us notice the brokenness around us. And then principle number two is that success in that will come only as what? A result of prayer. And confidence in an awesome God. In a great and awesome God. And that call there was to what? Pray daily. That our call was to pray daily. Remember when when Nehemiah got the and got the news about the rubble of Jerusalem, he immediately went into fasting and praying and mourning for days. And so our call is to fast weekly, to to develop a brokenness for God, to break our hearts for the lostness around us. And then to pray daily that, that God would begin to restore, that God would begin to reconcile this community to Him. And then principle number three was God's provision requires what? This was last week. God's vision requires God's provision and the people's revision. And what do we mean by revision? We need to be proactive. We need to revise. We need to revision our own time and resources. Our stuff so that they reflect God's vision, so that our time reflects God's desire to reconcile all people. So we spend time with people. So we take the time to listen. We take the time to hear. We take the time to to get to know. And then we also revision our resources so so that we are supporting that vision, so that our resources, our stuff, reflects God's desire to reconcile all people to Himself. If our heart is broken and we are praying, revisioning time and stuff just makes sense. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Now, did I say that backwards? Because does Scripture not say where your treasure is, there will your heart be? But proactively, where our heart is, that's where our treasure is going to follow. And so we ask God to break our hearts for the lost. We ask God to to help us become a part of of renewing the spiritual rubble around us. So in a real sense, we are developing a plan to reconcile our community. To accomplish what God has called Mac to be and do. And Nehemiah is laying it out for us step by step. So principle number four, the principle we need to understand today is that the most important step to any plan is preparation. It's the stuff we do before we ever do the plan. The most important step to any plan is preparation. It's always good to have a plan. We talked about that last week. And the first step in that plan is preparation. That we can say we want to win this community to Christ, go. And we might see some success. We might have some things accomplished. We might go out and individually do some things. But Nehemiah lays out that it's, it's more than just that. We need to prepare to go. 
that there's a preparation process that has to take place for each of us individually and corporately as a church in order to see the greatest success in our going. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. We want to read verses 11 through 20. And Nehemiah here in these verses is going to share some insights into this principle of preparation. This, this principle of, of really and what he is calling us to do is assess. That's the word we want to understand today is that we want to assess uh, ourselves. We want to ass- assess our world and assess our help is what we're going to be doing. So look at Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 11 to 20. After I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's well and the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. I went on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but farther down it became too narrow for my animal to go through, so I went up at night by way of the valley and inspected the wall. Then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, or the rest of those who would be doing the work. So I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned down. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be a disgrace. I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start rebuilding, and they were encouraged to do this good work. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official in Geshem the Arab heard about this, they mocked and despised us and said, what is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I gave them this reply. The God of heaven is the one who will grant us success. We, his servants, will start building, but you have no share, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. A call to preparation. A call to assess. And and Nehemiah starts with assessing his own life. Assessing where he is. Look at verse 11. It says, After I arrived in Jerusalem, after I arrived in Jerusalem, and had been there three days. Three days! Okay, now, if you have a plan, and this is a plan that has been building over months, okay? Remember that that Nehemiah heard from his brother that the city was in ruin and the gates were burned, and he prayed for four months before he was ever able to talk to, to Artaxerxes, to the king, to get permission to leave and do something about it. And so he prayed for four months, And then he sets off. After Artaxerxes sends him with letters and and lumber and everything that he needs, he sets off. And here's here's kind of the map of where he was going. Because it it probably took him about three months. He he started in Susa all the way over at the right. Crossed through the, the Tigris and the Euphrates up through Babylon. And then he would follow the Euphrates north. And then cross over and come back down through the Jordan Valley to get to Jerusalem. Now you're thinking, why didn't he just go as the crow flies? Because from Babylon to Jerusalem, the crows didn't even fly that direction. Okay, that was just desert. That was rocky, it was mountainous, it was, there was no trees, no shelter, there was nothing there. It was just desert. 
And so in order to take a, a crew like he was taking, because you remember Artaxerxes the king sent men with him to protect and help and to, to haul all the lumber, he had to go up through where they could camp along the river and, and they would have uh, food and, and shelter and things like that as they, as they traveled. So the, 900 miles is what that journey was. Probably took up to three months with, with everything that they had to do and where they had to go. And so, now he takes three days. Okay, You've been seven months waiting to get to Jerusalem and start to rebuild the wall. And he takes three days before he ever does anything. No doubt they got outside the, of Jerusalem and, and again set up camp somewhere. And he just waited. We have to believe that he did nothing in those three days. That he just simply rested. And that's the lesson for us. That we have to rest. He knew the vision that was in front of him. He, and he understood that the most important step to any plan is preparation. And the place to start the preparation is with himself. Because now it was all before him. And so he rested. He rested physically. That was a long journey. 900 miles on horseback or donkey or whatever it was they were riding on. He just says, I, I, the one animal he brought with him. And he knew that he couldn't just jump right in. He needed physical rest. Folks, there are times that we can run so fast, that we can get life going so fast, that we seem to be beeping at our own taillights, that we're just running in circles. We need to rest. We need to learn to rest. We need to learn to stop. And even with this huge vision in front of us, even with a, a huge to-do list, all the things we've got to do, all the things we've got to accomplish, you've got to rest. God understood that. Nehemiah understood that. But he also rested spiritually, I have to believe. That all of the prayer and fasting of those four months, I don't think stopped because he was on his way. I think he was still praying daily along that road, even on riding on a horse, going along. I think he was praying as he was riding. He was preparing himself for the task that was before him. He spent a lot of time in prayer. This is our whole, our whole growing in intimacy with Christ, that very first word, growing. It's the spiritual rest, it's the spiritual connection that we have to maintain, we have to keep. Because the task before us is huge. We are taking responsibility for every lost person in Delaware County. Do you know how many people that is? I don't either. It's a lot. And that task alone can be overwhelming unless we learn to step back and rest. Physically, spiritually. To connect with the one that can do the work through us. We can't ignore our physical or spiritual needs. Because one without the other is no advantage. If we are in great physical shape, in great physical health, and ignore our spiritual health, we're of no use. And if we ignore the physical health, the physical rest, but we're, we're maintaining our spiritual health, we're of little use. Because physically, we're not there. And so we have to, and Nehemiah understood that, that the first step, the very first most important step to any plan is preparation. And that means assessing where we are. 
Assessing our physical needs, assessing our spiritual needs, gaining the rest. Now, as I have gotten older, I've understood this whole idea of the need for rest. The need for assessing physical health. In my 30s, I was still invincible, I thought. But I did notice that when I acted invincible, it took me a little longer to recover from my invincibility. And when I hit my 40s, I realized that I really wasn't all that invincible. Because now not only could it take me long to recover, I wasn't even able to do all of the invincible things I could do when I was in my 30s. And now I've hit the 50s. This is all downhill from here. (laughs) Bodies ache. Muscles I didn't know I had hurt. That's just going to get the mail. (laughs) I had a friend that pulled a muscle in his back getting out of bed once. We laughed. Until I felt the twinge getting out of bed once. (laughs) I knew where Bill was at. We can't ignore... A few years ago, I took up running with the goal to compete in a half marathon with Mackenzie. She was a runner. I figured I could run with her. She's a little girl. Nope. In sixth grade, I couldn't keep up with her. But we trained. I trained. She just kind of laughed and jogged beside me. And we completed that half marathon. And after that goal was met, I kind of let the running thing go away. Until two months ago, I said, you know what? I'm in my 50s. I've got to take care physically. I've got to do something to stay in shape. I had reached uh, a weight that I had never reached before. I was at an all-time high. Personal best. (laughs) That's right. And I said, something's got to be done. I, I can't continue this way because I was feeling sluggish. And I know if physically I was feeling sluggish, I knew that spiritually I was going to be sluggish as well because they work together in tandem. And so, the beginning of March, I took up running again. And I had a professor that kind of laid out a challenge, not personally, but I picked it up. He challenged himself to run every single day for a year. Yesterday was number 52 in a row for me. Yesterday was about 350 for him. He's almost completed the year. Now I'm thinking, some of you are thinking, well yeah, I'd run a mile every day, who cares? I'm going for three miles every day. Yesterday I pushed it and went 5.1. That was a personal best for the last two months. But I understand that 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 physical has to be. And so I got an annual checkup. Okay, let's see where we're at. The doctor, after he looked at my charts, looked at the EKG, looked at the blood work, the response came back. He goes, medically speaking, you are extraordinarily boring. And I went, well, hallelujah. It's good to be boring. Everything was right where it needed to be. He said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And so physically, we have to understand where we are at. We have to maintain physical rest, physical bodies. But if I just did that, that would be of no, no real good use if I'm spiritually a wreck. And so we maintain, we assess where are we spiritually. 
Where am I growing in Christ? Where am I living out the fruit of the Spirit? Where am I serving? Where am I telling my story? Where am I stewarding my life? How am I doing all of those things? How, where am I at? Assess where I am. Set goals. Every year I have a goal to read through the Bible in a year. Start to finish. Maybe a little different, different translation, maybe a different order, but, but read through every year. We've challenged you on, on Facebook is almost every day. Uh, we post what the daily reading is, where we're to be at this point if you want to take up that challenge. But assess where we are spiritually. I've incorporated fasting into my weekly routine. Daily prayer times. The Lord for, for days, weeks, months now have been, has been waking me up between 4.30 and 5 in the morning, which is really irritating. And I'm like, what are you doing? I need my physical rest. And he said, yeah, right now you need to pray. And so when God wakes me up at 4.30 or 5, which he does almost every morning, I just go to prayer. And I begin praying through the things of the church, through my own life, through my family's life, through the people around me, through the neighborhood, through through this whole idea of, of reaching the lost, of reconciling all people, and just pray through all of those things. We have to assess ourselves. Where are we? Where are you individually? God gave us the command to remember the Sabbath, to take that Sabbath rest. He understood that we need physical and spiritual rest. We need times to refuel. Nehemiah's action of waiting three days, which actually mirrored Ezra's action, because when Ezra made that trip back to Jerusalem, he too waited three days before he started in. To refresh, to refuel. And and it just reminds us that an important part of preparation is to renew the spiritual rubble in our own lives. To renew the physical in our own lives. To do whatever it takes to remain physically fit and spiritually fit. To remain healthy. That we might be used. Physically exhausted people cannot accomplish as much as physically rested people. And spiritually exhausted people cannot accomplish as much as spiritually rested people. Assess your own life. Rest, physically, spiritually. Because the most important step in any plan is preparation. Is bring prepared to step out. Verse 12, he starts in with assessing our world. We need to assess the world around us. That when we begin to, to, to assess our own lives, we can then step out and begin to assess the, the world that, that we live in. He says in verse 12... I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate. He says, toward the serpent's well and the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem. And so then he he begins riding around. He's just going to ride around the walls. Well, it got too too close to where his animal couldn't pass through. And and the rubble was too thick. He couldn't get over it and around it. So he went up onto the valley and, and he surveyed... From, from up above where he could see all the walls. And he went all the way around Jerusalem and then returned back, back to the valley gate. He wanted to see if what his brother had said, what his brother had told him was true. 
He had to assess the need of the city. What shape was it in? We have to assess the need of the lostness around us. We have to begin to see it. We have to begin to see where can we speak into it. Where can we, where can we get involved in relieving the lostness and reconciling people to God? We're part of the Christian Missionary Alliance and one of the very, the very first core values of our denomination is that lost people matter to God. He wants them found. That's one of the things we value as a church. It's one of the things we value as a family of churches, as a body of churches called the Christian Missionary Alliance, is that lost people matter to God. In the very first start of the movement that we now call a denomination, uh, the Holy Spirit instilled within A.B. Simpson a passion to reach the people with no knowledge of Jesus Christ. To reach the people who had never heard. To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We carry that on as one of our core values, as one of the things that matters to us, that lost people matter to God. And so we need to assess the lostness around us. Who are the lost people? Where is God working? Whose life is He seeming to, to be working on, to, to, to be working in, as, as Bart shared? It could have been easy for Bart to miss that. But he was assessing the world around him. He was seeing the brokenness. He was looking for it. He was expecting to be able to step in. One of the best ways to assess needs is what we call through a SWOT analysis. Who's heard of a SWOT analysis? If you've been in business or leadership, it's there. SWOT is S-W-O-T. It simply means strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And, and Nehemiah set out to do that. He set out to make a SWOT analysis of the city. Here's the, the map of, of Jerusalem when he got there. You see kind of right in the middle and just lower is, is the valley gate. So as, as Nehemiah came over, he kind of camped, I'm assuming, there by you know, Mount Zion, the central valley, the valley gate, because that's where he entered. And when he went into the valley gate and inspected it, he headed south down towards the dung gate and that pool of Siloam. And it was there where things got too narrow, it got too tight. And so he went up through the Kidron Valley and looked at the other gates, made his circle around and came back down through the valley gate, assessing what are the strengths and weaknesses of the wall. What opportunities, what threats are going to be there if we're going to begin to rebuild? He was just simply assessing, getting a lay of the land, beginning to understand. And I'm sure that as he went through, he saw the strengths, that there were sections that maybe weren't as busted up, that they were going to need to be repaired, but there wasn't going to need to be a lot of time and emphasis spent right there. He noticed where the people lived, where they worked where the busyness was, where the most of the people congregated throughout the day. I'm sure he saw the weaknesses, where the most vulnerable places were, where the low spots in the wall, maybe where the wall didn't even exist anymore. I'm sure he saw the opportunities that, that this was going to be an opportunity for the entire city to get behind rebuilding, to get behind to, to renew their confidence in God. To work together, to pull together. And there were threats. He had already heard of Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They had already been mocking and, and chattering in his ear about this was a bad idea. 
that this would never work. And so through his whole SWOT analysis, he got a, a good assessment of what the needs were around us. You know, we need to do this as a church, and we've, we've kind of already started doing this. Our prayer team that, that has come together met a few uh, weeks ago and kind of informally conducted a SWOT analysis as we sat down and, and talked about strengths and weaknesses of MAC. We said, what are our strengths? What is it that we do really well here? They shared things like children's ministry. We do that very well. And, and most of you parents will shake your heads and agree that Rachel and Rachel and their teams of, of volunteers do an incredible job with children's ministry. We do worship well. This morning was great. Every week is great to just come in and, and corporately join voices and be led before the throne of God and, and just praise and worship Him. We discovered that we do missions pretty well. The emphasis to go to the ends of the earth. Biblical preaching, no matter who stands up here. That we look to the Bible. It's always turned to the Bible. It's always look at, at these verses. Someone said, you know, I appreciate... They, they've told me, I appreciate your preaching. You always, you always preach from the Bible. I'm like, well, what else do you have to go on? It's all we were given. We talked about weaknesses. The access to small groups. See, small groups are important to us here. In fact, it's, they're incredibly important. We're, we, we're going to build this entire ministry around small groups. The small groups is not a program of the church. Small groups is the program of the church. It's how we're going to reach this community. It's how we're going to, to reconcile all people to God is, is through small groups. Now, i got good news. Yes, that is a weakness. But we have small groups that are ready to multiply. And we're going to more than double, almost triple the number of, of access points into small groups this summer. So it's been a while. We've had to wait. We've had to pray, but, but it, it's going to happen. And so we understand the weaknesses and we're working towards them. So small groups is, is going to be growing. We mentioned that prayer was a weakness. Now, a pastor doesn't like to hear that. Prayer is a weakness of the church. But I had to agree that it was. And so this prayer ministry has taken that seriously. In fact, they're the ones that identified it as a weakness. And we started Wednesday night teaching on prayer. The last five weeks, the last week is, is this week, this Wednesday night. And out of that is going to come a monthly prayer meeting. The first Wednesday of every month, we're going to come together just to pray. Pray for the church, pray for one another, to pray for this community, to assess our need and begin to, to bring it before God corporately through prayer. We're going to start opening the sanctuary up about 9.30. This is new to everyone, including the worship team. We want to open the, the, the sanctuary up about 9.30 every Sunday morning just for prayer. We'll close the doors. That you can come in and, and begin to assess yourself before worship. And begin to, to just come and, and pray and spend time. We have people already that do it. We're just going to encourage everyone to come in quietly. 
and spend time in prayer before worship. Individually, corporately. We began looking at some opportunities. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. We have some incredible opportunities before us partnering with organizations that are already doing incredible works. First choice. Center for, for Women down, uh, down on Oakwood that, that deals with surprise pregnancies. Many times unwanted pregnancies. Helping the women walk through that and choose life. We have the opportunity to, to work with Muncie Mission. Last year, our small group got involved in the, the walk a mile in their shoes. And we kind of had the vision and the dream of this needs to be a church-wide event next year. And that our entire church show up and walk a mile. And, and support Muncie Mission and, and what they are doing down there. We collect food for Morningstar, for their food pantry. We, we have an opportunity, I'm, I'm hoping, to meet with the Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity this next week and see how we might be able to come alongside and partner with them in, in transforming uh, their newest neighborhood that they're wanting to get involved in. So the opportunities for us to impact this city physically and spiritually abound in front of us. But there are also threats. There will be obstacles. There will be Sanballats and, and uh, Geshems and Tobiases. There will be things in, that stand in front of us that desire to keep us from realizing these opportunities. We're going to talk more in two weeks about how to handle them, but right now some of the, the biggest obstacles in front of us are church finances. That, that's just a, a fact. That there's only so long you can spend more than you take in. Something's got to give. Okay, someone has to give. Something. <laughs> but that, but that's just, that, that is a threat that's right in front of us. Just the way Sandbalot was down there chirping. You can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. You know, the finance board gets chirping in their ear when they look at the financial statements. The elders get chirping in their ear when they look at the financial statements. Sometimes it seems insurmountable. There are threats in front of us that, that are going to threaten our ability to do what we feel God is calling us to do. There will be people that stand in our way. There will be, there will be probably government officials that stand in our way. We have to assess the threats. Notice verse 17. He says, you see the trouble we are in. When he addresses the leaders, he says, you see the trouble that we are in. If you go back seven months, he says, you see the trouble that they are in. The change was, as God began to break his heart for Jerusalem, as God began to, to do this work and plant this vision in Nehemiah's heart and mind, it, that they became we. And so when we look at this city and we assess the needs and we assess the opportunities, it can't be they, it has to be we. This is our community. These are our people. These are our neighbors, our co-workers. And we 
have been given the responsibility and the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile all people to God. It's a we. It's an hour. To assess the needs of the community. But we also need to assess. Do a SWOT analysis on your own life. What are your strengths? The fruit of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts. What is it in your life that that you bring to the table that is just going to enhance the ministry? What are your weaknesses? The fruit of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts that are lacking. That maybe you've never used. Where do we physically and spiritually coming up short assess? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses individually? What's my strength? What is my weakness? What is my opportunity? Where is God working? Who is God working on to reconcile to Himself in your circle of influence? Who is God wanting you to come alongside of? What ministry is God wanting you to volunteer in or get involved in, maybe in the church or outside the church? Where are you going to be a part of what God is doing? Because that's what we're called to do. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What are your opportunities? What are your threats? What is keeping you from revisioning your time and your stuff? What is keeping you from getting involved? What is keeping you from from building that relationship? Understand the threat. Understand what's, what's limiting you and then deal with it. Do something about it. Do a SWOT analysis of your own life in view of God's desire to reconcile all people to Himself. In view of the fact that lost people matter to God and He wants them found. The most important step of any plan is preparation. So we assess ourselves. We assess the need. But then to the glory of God, we assess our help. Because we're not in this alone. He says in verse 16, The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, or the rest of those who would be doing the work. I hadn't told anybody yet. The task of rebuilding the walls was huge and the threats were real. It was going to take everyone involved. Everyone was going to have a role to play. Everyone was going to have a part to play. Nehemiah didn't share the vision God gave him until all the leaders were together. Until the leaders all had ownership of it. And then he began to lay out the plan. The church is not made up of lone rangers. We are all in this together. No one's flying solo. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. And silver. The horse he rode in on. Interdependence is vital to the church. We need everyone. I need you. You need me. You need the person sitting next to you. You need the person sitting across the the aisle from you. You need the person sitting behind you. None of us are out there doing it alone. At least that was never the intention. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about this need for every part of the body functioning properly. That the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Or the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Because we do. 
We need your strengths. We need your spiritual gift. We need how the fruit of the Spirit lives out in you. We need your your opportunities. You're going to reach people that the rest of us can't reach. Because they're not in my circle, they're in your circle. And so we come together. This is the idea of each of us serving through our spiritual gifts, not just in the church, but outside as well. Ephesians chapter 4 says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. We all play a part. It's a massive job. The idea of reconciling Delaware County Reconciling Ball State University to Christ is daunting. Nehemiah starts with with the leadership, and so do we. I want to ask right now if if the elders would come forward, finance board come forward. Uh, Some of you have mentioned, this was one of the things the prayer team said, I don't even know who the elders are. And, And that's shame on us. So elders on the left of me, finance on the right, you caught it, didn't you? <laughs> Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. They couldn't all be here today. Some are, are with family. Um, but our finance board, every week, every month, they meet on the third Thursday of every month and get a picture of where we are financially. They, they make sure that, that we are above board, that, that we are doing things well, that we are stewarding Uh, what God has entrusted with us. So Jim Crockett, Jen Brand, Joe Trotty, um, Christy Cook, and Brian Hatton also both serve on there. And Sandy, you should have come up too. Sandy, just stand up where you are. I'm going to embarrass the heck out of you. (laughs) I'm not. They all are going to embarrass Sandy is our our church accountant. She's the one that that pours over the books and keeps us legal um, and all those things. And it's not easy to do when you are a non-profit that also has a profit wing to what you do, uh, a business end, and to keep all of that straight. So uh, the finance board meets once a month. Our elders, Lee Light, Brian Peters, Chaz Frechette, and Eldon Morehouse, and Matt Godfrey could not be here this morning, um, are... Uh, they meet, we meet twice a month, um, once to carry out the business of the church, the, the, the business end of it, as well as once a month we meet for training. Uh, we're going through a study together on what it means to be an elder, what it means to be a leader, and, uh, and we also meet once a week for breakfast. So we see each other a lot uh, in this, and uh, we almost always enjoy it. Um, when we come together. But these are the leaders. These are the nobles. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Thank you very much. These are the nobles that he talked about, the leadership that he shared this vision with and to the rest of the people who are going to do the work. 
And so as we lead, as we cast vision, it's, it's the rest of us as well. That Nehemiah recognized that it wasn't great leaders that was going to bring this about. That it couldn't stop there. That everything that had happened up to this point was credited to God. He said in verse 20, The God of heaven is the one who will grant us success. He'll work through pastoral staff. He'll work through elders, through finance board. But ultimately, he's going to work through you. The people who are going to do the work. And that's all of us. That we all have that responsibility to get in, to get involved. To assess the need around us. To assess the helpers around us. That was one of the great things when when Bart said that he he started this group at, at Ball State with some of the faculty. That they now have almost 60 on the mailing list of, of faculty that can come. That they've invited. You probably have co-workers. You probably have neighbors that you don't know you could partner with. In reaching the lost. In reaching your neighbor. Whether they go to this church or another church. It doesn't matter. We're all working to the same thing. We're all part of the same ministry of reconciliation. Ecclesiastes said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. Pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. It didn't dawn on me until I read that this week, this this verse this week. That he talks about two are better than one. That if one falls down, one can pick up. That two lie down together to keep each other warm. And that, that two can resist better than one. And then it says a cord of three. He talked about two all along and suddenly a cord of three strands. Who's the third? God. That when two believers come together... And bring their individual lives and allow God to begin intertwining them. Allow God to be using them to work together, to work through them. The strand of three cannot easily be broken. And so when we begin to function as the church, when we begin to function as the body, and working together, no lone rangers, but we are are, are corporate together, God is going to reach this community. God wants to reach this community. His desire is to reconcile all of Delaware County to himself. And he wants to do it through us. Through others like us. Through other churches like us. That Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates are burned. And Nehemiah is laying out the steps. That we need to become one broken for the lost. That we need to become two praying for the lost. That we need to be revisioning our lives to reflect God's vision. And today we need to assess. We need to prepare our own lives and the world around us. Father, this morning, we thank you for a plan. We thank you that you are a God with a purpose and a God with meaning. And that every moment of everyday life has meaning and purpose. Father, I pray that that you would continue this, this work of breaking us for the lostness, 
of calling us to prayer for those that we come in contact with in our circles. Lord, help us to, to revision, help us to assess our own life. To gain physical rest, to gain spiritual rest, to gain health. That we might be better prepared to go out into a world. Father, help us to assess the needs around us. Help us to see the lives that are broken, the people that are broken, the families that are broken, that we come in contact with every day. Help us to see beyond the mask that they wear, the facade that they build up. Help us to see the reality of spiritual rubble. Father, that you might use us corporately, that you might use us together, that we would be praying for one another, that we would be encouraging and going with one another. That, Father, we might truly be ministers of reconciliation to this county, to our communities, to our campus, to our neighborhoods. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand?
Sunday morning, we just kind of open up this area down here. Following the service, you can come and pray. The prayer team would be thrilled to join with you if you would like uh, someone to pray with you. Um, Walking through Nehemiah is not an accident. Uh, I truly believe we are standing on the verge of something incredible that God is leading us as a church into. And step by step, we're kind of unfolding that. One of the strengths we have is that on YouTube... Every week's service is is loaded up to YouTube. If you're not aware of that and you have to miss, you can just log into YouTube, Muncie Alliance Church, and they'll be right there. Or go to our website and they'll be loaded and you can catch a link there. And I only say that because as we walk through Nehemiah, every week builds on the week before. And hearing them all is only what's going to help us. Next week is going to be incredibly important. If you can at all be here. 
because we're going to unfold the plan because Nehemiah starts to lay rock on rock next week in chapter 3. So come next week and hopefully we'll be encouraged by what God is going to do. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that He may grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond what all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night, and then we'll see you back next Sunday.